Now let's go around the Motu to Auckland today. Todd Nile is in. Kia ora, Todd. Morena, Susan. Uh, Stuff's senior Auckland affairs journalist. Now, the election outcome, of course, posing big questions all around the place, but certainly mm. in Auckland, the national-led government planning some big and early moves on some pretty key issues. Um, light rail looking to get the axe there. Uh, the additional harbour crossing on the back burner. Uh, the regional fuel tax also tap turned off there. So I guess maybe let's just talk through some of these pretty significant aspects to Auckland, Todd. Mm. Let's t- let's perhaps start with the light rail um, yeah. situation. Yeah. Um, so all, all of these all of these are transport projects, mm. of course. So they kind of interlink and maybe the effect compounds depending on how they how they deal with them. So light rail. Just a quick reminder, was a, was a project that was launched in 2014 by Auckland Transport, the Auckland Council Agency, and they got three years into it. They actually made reasonable progress uh, until it was taken over by the incoming Labour-led government in 2017. And its time there was uh, not a happy one. So they proceeded on for a little while and then had a change of heart and decided they'd look at tunnelling and other ways of funding it. And the end effect is that it's uh, six years down the track uh, they still don't have a confirmed route. They don't have a business case. They seem to be favour tunnelling, which is an expensive and a slightly different form of, of light rail or metro system that pretty much everyone, including light rail advocates, have uh, turned away from. And the government's been quite clear that it will knock that on the head. Christopher Luxon has called it a, a white elephant. Um, and so the question is, if that does happen, are they walking away entirely from the whole thing, given that it had a purpose when it was first raised, which was bus congestion across the isthmus? It's a way of connecting Mount Roskill to the city centre and then on out to the airport and Mount Roskill to the airport, Mangari to the airport, all big employment centres and, and rapidly growing housing areas. So, uh, yes, does it mean they knock the entire thing on the head or are they going back to uh, a cheaper, slightly simpler street-level version, which seems to be what most people favour? So that's one big issue there. Mm. The, what about the situation perhaps with the regional fuel tax? Um, is it clear when when, or indeed if that might end? No, uh, and that is perhaps a bigger worry because unlike light rail, which is something new, the regional fuel tax is a pretty significant stream of revenue into Auckland, which is dedicated to transport projects that are happening now. It started back in 2018, destined to run for 10 years, 10 cents a litre on every litre of everything sold inside the Auckland area. It becomes 11.5 cents due to GST. And so it's delivering $150 million a year, but that's just the start of it because it com- the, the value of it compounds. That $150 million gets matched by Waka Kotahi, uh, taxpayer money for transport projects. And because it's new revenue to the council, it enables the council to borrow more, to carry more debt um, for transport projects. So, so it compounds out to about $450 million of value for transport projects. Um, so when are they going to do it? That's not clear. Uh, there are projects that are that are partway through and are due to run through to 2028. These are specific regional fuel tax funded projects. They're not just, oh, we've got a bit of money, what will we do with it? Mm. Uh, and there's been no talk from National about what they would do 
if and you know well when they stop this there's some suggestion that it would continue till a congestion charging scheme comes in which seems to have been something that's been talked about forever uh, but doesn't seem to be imminent and the issue with congestion charging was that is often seen by people as a means of changing travel behaviour rather than raising revenue. So you can't automatically assume that a congestion charging scheme will deliver the same kind of money. So that is a big worry for Auckland about how to fund transport projects, particularly at a time of high inflation, high construction costs. There's, there's more and more pressure on the transport budgets and a, and a big chunk of revenue potentially going to be turned off at some unspecified time. What about the situation with Wayne Brown and now the incoming national government? Is it, um, are there signs, I suppose, that it is likely to be more aligned with the Auckland Mayor? Yeah, well, Wayne Brown likes to portray himself as apolitical, but he has had um, a couple of meetings with Christopher Luxon and is promoting a thing called a manifesto, which is, um, you know, his view on how the relationship between Auckland and the government should work and commitments on funding. There is the, there is a little bit of alignment in that um, Wayne Brown is not keen on great big expensive trans- transport projects, which uh, clearly aligns with Nationals' view to stop light rail and, and perhaps push the harbour crossings out into the future. So um, there's a similarity there in not favouring big bang spending. Wayne Brown has has not continued Auckland's previously strong focus on trying to reduce transport emissions and you know, uh, minimise climate change. And uh, the the incoming national government seems to also not be as committed to some of the policies that the previous government. So um, I guess that's a problem for Auckland for those who want more climate action. And you now have a mayor at least, if not a council, and a government that seem to be happy to, to do something, but perhaps not make it the most important thing uh, on the agenda. Mm. And so I suppose there is um, plenty of water to go under the bridge there in terms of how those relationships will play out. Um, but I suppose in the meantime, this does mean that there are quite a lot of aspects kind of up in the air. Yes, transport things that we've touched mm. on here, but then also um, it's not that long ago during the campaign that Wayne Brown was saying, well, OK, so, you know, National's going to repeal three waters, but but for what? Mm. So three waters, possibly for Auckland, uh, will have less impact than for other parts of the country. Auckland has sort of done uh, a three waters thing already, if you like, in that it merged, partly due to amalgamation, it merged all of its water entities into one. It's had a sort of a user pays model for a long time, which has uh, helped encourage people to be efficient with their water. Um, So Auckland's problem is really at the margins, if you like. It it was previously keen to have somebody take the debt of its water company, Watercare, off its books um, so that it would free up debt on the council's books to do other things with. And so it will be a problem for Auckland if Three Waters just gets knocked on the head and the debt stays with the council. Um, it's not going to be a, a game changer necessarily for the council. It will just leave it with a problem that it's already been been grappling with. So it will be interesting to see whether there is any kind of, okay, not three waters, but let's create some other crown entity to shift local government uh, debt related to water off their books to try and free up their finances a bit.
How quickly is Auckland uh, and Mayor Brown wanting to get some of these answers? Oh, well, Wayne Brown, of course, wants a lot of these things tomorrow. He's already sent um, he's sent his manifesto. It's kind of approved by the council, but it wasn't debated around the council table greatly. It's his view on a new relationship between Auckland uh, and the government. But of course, you've got to remember at the same time that other parts of the country and other councils and, and local government in general is also wanting changes from the government and how councils are financed, you know, the role of government in helping them meet their obligations. So Auckland may be looking for solutions. And Wayne Brown seems to believe that that the government could be seen to be changing things by meeting some of Auckland's needs without upsetting the fiscal apple cart greatly. But for the government, they, I presume, won't want to be seen to be uh, bending over backwards to meet Auckland's needs when the rest of the country uh, also has you know, a lot that they want to have dealt with in terms of the relationship and the funding of local government. Um, so an- another area to talk about, actually, with Auckland... Council, Todd, is uh, there's going to be a decision on the Māori seats on Thursday. Just um, give us some of the detail on that. Yeah, so there's a couple of things going on. Uh, Auckland Council created in 2010 uh, with an independent Māori statutory board rather than, that was a government decision, rather than having dedicated seats. The independent board is funded, it advises the council, but it has seats on, voting seats on all of the committees except for the full council itself. And every few years, councils have to decide what to do with their Māori representation, and this has come round again for Auckland. It's more likely to be debated this time because up until now there had been legislation which capped the number of seats on the Auckland Council at 21, so you couldn't have new Māori seats without reducing the number of existing seats, which was really a step too far for many. So with that constraint gone, there is now not that cap that will stop Auckland making the move should it wish to, to have additional Maori seats. The question would be uh, how many. The Royal Commission had recommended two, possibly three. The discussion in the past from the Council was to have a population-based model as is used for parliamentary Maori seats. Um, but this is a decision that comes to the Council this Thursday and it really needs, because of election uh, deadlines through to 2025, it really needs to make a decision pretty smartly on that. The other big one, which is not under, not under pressure, but is also quite controversial, is um, to try and rationalise the number of local boards which sit under the council from 21 to 13. There are all sorts of arguments about efficiency, uh, why that would work, but it's going to raise that question of local democracy uh, versus council efficiency. If you, if you reduce the local boards, are you then extending the distance between a community and the council, which has been one of the big criticisms of a amalgamation. And of course these are significant changes, two of the biggest changes since the Super City Council was formed back in 2010. Yeah, that's right. I mean the the model of having 21 local boards has been there from day one. There's been debate about, well, there, there are two, maybe not too many, but they have two too few powers and too little discretionary funding. So that is quite a big issue for communities and the Maori seats issue always uh, becomes quite a significant debate. Uh, so that will be the first one we'll get to see how that plays out on Thursday. Thank you very much, Todd Nile there in from Auckland, telling us about various situations around uh, the super city there, both to do with the council and indeed to do with the various transport initiatives and programmes that may or may not be continuing on.